This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreit Welcome is on the phone. Episode four nineteen. We the podcast. It is Thursday, August nineteenth, two thousand twenty-one. People, we got ourselves a great episode of the Aerotourist Sports Podcast later in the show. Bob Stoops, how about big game Bob Stoops joining the Aratora Sports Podcast. Bob Stoops is going into the College Football Hall of Fame this year. We'll talk about that. He is starting in replacement of Urban Meyer at Fox Sports on Fox Noon kickoff. We'll talk about his pending football career. And we'll, of course, talk some real college football, including, frankly, I believe his first real public comments about the Oklahoma situation. He released a statement when Oklahoma and Texas officially left for the SEC. But this, the Aratora's podcast, is the first place that he has publicly talked about it. Bob Stoops coming up. Uh, before we get to him, a few key topics that I do want to get to on the football side, a little bit on this crazy Nebraska Scott Frost story. We are a couple days away from Nebraska actually kicking off its season in week zero. They are under NCAA scrutiny. They may be in trouble. Scott Frost, we'll see what happens with him. From there, we will very briefly talk about the Tim Tebow uh, decision and announcement that came earlier this week. It's about three or four days old at this point, so we won't spend a ton of time on it. And of course, we'll talk a little college hoops where Penny Hardaway making waves, hiring Rashid Wallace. That is official. Amani Bates, as we speak, is on campus officially. And what is next for Memphis in their pursuit of Amani Bates, the number one high school player in the country, potentially the number one recruiting class in the country, and what would it mean going forward? But as I said, I do want to start with the topic of the day. And how about this? So it sounds crazy, but August 19th, 2021, you think back to last year, where we were at at this time, Big Ten and Pac-12 have canceled, the SEC is pushing on, but they're not starting until the end of September, Uh, ACC and Big 12 open early September, and so fast forward to this year, and it is a totally different vibe with college football, we are finally back to normal, and part of normal is having those early week zero games. Now, we all know that week one, that's the big weekend with uh, Clemson and Georgia. Clemson, or Georgia, by the way, coming down with a few key injuries this weekend. Keep that in mind. Uh, but Clemson, Georgia, UCLA, LSU, Miami, Alabama. But prior to week one, 
we have week zero where just there's always a couple games in the lead up to that first full weekend and the marquee game of week zero this year is Nebraska Illinois and this was a game that was supposed to be played overseas obviously because of COVID it has been brought back to the United States but they put it on the schedule for week zero it is the signature game if you want to call it a signature game neither team should be very good this year but it is the signature game of week zero which is now two Saturdays away from now and I'll tell you this that game got a lot more interesting here uh, in the last couple days as Brett McMurphy from the Action Network reported that Scott Frost, major hot water here uh, heading into the season as Action Network, Brett McMurphy reported that Scott Frost and Nebraska bro- broke two major NCAA rules in the process of the last year, including during the COVID season. So let's get into what Nebraska did wrong, what it means, what it could mean for their present and future under Scott Frost. First of all, just for people who did not follow the story, did not read the story, what you need to know about what Nebraska did was this. As I said, two different violations that, depending on how you feel, are pretty major all things considered now look this isn't you know Miami Nevin Shapiro with 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 everything that happened there it's not Reggie Bush but they are still two pretty egregious rules violations the first one comes to do with analysts and analysts of course are the non-coaching players of your coaching staff that Nick Saban has made famous at Alabama right Alabama has their 10 coaches that are allowed on the field and then they have this group of analysts and analysts job are to basically help prepare the team without actually coaching the team. So they break down film, they do advanced scouting, they help the position coaches, they maybe help with recruiting while not actually contacting recruits. That is what they are supposed to do. Except at Nebraska, where according to Brett McMurphy, uh, the analysts were actually doing major on-the-field coaching, which is in violation of NCAA rules. And oh, by the way, on top of that, uh, apparently it wasn't just in practice. It was during games. You can see it on film. You can see it on video. You can see them on the sidelines. And again, they are not allowed to have contact with players uh, during games or practices. So the fact that it not only happened at practice, but potentially with games and it's on video, big no-no, major violation by, not major, but a violation by Nebraska. What was the second violation? The second violation, well, this one's a doozy. You guys remember COVID? Remember when the world shut down last March? Rudy Gobert, NCAA tournament canceled, all that stuff. And if you remember, there was about a three-month gap where no one did anything. Now, the NCAA came out and said, June 1, you can bring players back to campus for off-season workouts. That was on June 1. What was reported by Brett McMurphy was that from that middle of March date until the middle of June, when your your coaching staff was supposed to have zero in-person contact with players, now they were obviously allowed to talk to them on Zoom and by phone and by text and all that, but they were allowed to have zero in con- in-person contact with players, um, you know, zero in-person contact with players, guess what happened? Nebraska was conducting team workouts at an off-campus facility uh, to basically try to hide it from the NCA. And I do wonder if this got out because a player complained, because an assistant coach complained, but Nebraska accused of hosting 
in-person workouts with the strength. This was not two or three guys getting together at a 24-hour at a fitness that was still open in Lincoln. This was the coaching staff getting together workouts behind closed doors so that nobody would know with Nebraska's approval sanctioned by Nebraska. And so when you look at those two things, individually, is it the end of the world? No. But collectively, those are two pretty bad things. And what I would say is especially the off-campus sanctioned workouts by the coaching staff. One, I will tell you this. It was, it was something that was the buzz of the Big Ten at this time last year. I actually had a person very well connected, very high up at another program in the Big Ten, and I'm not going to say who, and I'm not going to say what school, but they reached out to me probably last July, August, September. If you remember, I was one of the people fighting harder for college football season than anybody and somebody reached out to me and said, look, man, we appreciate your support here in Big Ten country. Oh, by the way, there's something you should know. Nebraska has been conducting off-season workouts this whole time. And I said, look, man, you know, I, I, there's no way for me to confirm it. I'll look into it, but there's no way for me to know. But this was something that in Big Ten country, other schools were aware of and they were not very happy about. And what I would say is, too, this does have a very similar feel to what is going on at Arizona State. If you have not been following that story, I've talked about it a little bit on this show, but not a ton. Arizona State, Herm Edwards, they are in hot water for some rules violations that happened during COVID as well. At Arizona State, their rules violations have to do uh, with recruiting. They had recruits on campus when nobody was allowed to have recruits on campus. What Arizona State did was especially dumb because obviously to bring recruits on campus, you got to help pay them to get there. So there's receipts, there's airline receipts, there's hotel receipts. And oh, by the way, Arizona State was dumb enough to actually let recruits take pictures with Herm Edwards inside the facility. And so Arizona State themselves could be in trouble for breaking rules during COVID. And Arizona State currently has three assistant coaches that are currently suspended from the program. And so because of that, when I look at the Arizona State situation, it feels very similar to what is going on at Nebraska. So in terms of Nebraska, I think the next logical question is, well, what's next for them? I think Scott Frost obviously is going to deny, deny, deny. There is a new AD. I will say, by the way, I thought it was very interesting. There was some weird stuff going on at Nebraska all offseason, and none of it made sense until yesterday. First of all, if you remember, they had a slew of transfers in the spring, a bunch of high-profile players, most notably Wandale Robinson. We have a lot of Kentucky fans who listen to this show, Wandale Robinson, uh, Nebraska's best skill position player decided to leave the program. Luke McCaffrey, the backup quarterback, decided to leave the program. He ended up at Louisville. Now he's at Rice. Uh, Cade Warner, Kurt Warner's son, decided to leave the program. And so you kind of sat there and said, well, wait a second now. Wandale Robinson, the best skill position player they have, and I understand he was from Kentucky. He wanted to get closer to home, family, friends, COVID, all that stuff. But Wandale Robinson leaves. Cade Warner leaves. Luke McCaffrey leaves. And you kind of sit there and say, well, wait a second now, what's going on there at Nebraska? And then all of a sudden, out of left field, their AD, who was not very old, decided to retire in the middle of the summer. And so you kind of sat there and said, well, wait a second now. Hmm. Hmm. All this stuff is happening. You think none of it has to do with, it, with each other. But then yesterday happens, you start to think, maybe it does have to do 
with each other. And so, again, the logical question is what's next? First of all, again, Nebraska is going to fight this. They're going to argue it. I thought it was interesting. Their new AD, Trev Alberts, who was actually there during the glory years under uh, Tom Osborne, he said, hey, man, I didn't even know about this until I accepted the job, and then it got thrown on my plate. So talk about a welcome home, uh, welcome to the Big Ten, welcome to Nebraska moment. Trev Alberts getting an NCAA rules violation uh, uh, you know, penalty thrown right on his desk the day he gets in. But also, I, I think it puts into question the future of Scott Frost. Now, on the one hand, look, he can say, I did not know. Um, and he can fight it. And as of right now, there is no direct knowledge that Scott Frost knew. Uh, even in, in Brett McMurphy's report, he references the idea that maybe there's a multiple game suspension as opposed to a firing. So it's a little early to say. But what I would say is a couple things. One, even if Scott Frost claims that he doesn't know, we all know that the NCAA rulebook, assuming that the NCAA is still in the business of punishing schools, um, the NCAA rulebook kind of says, look, a coach can no longer use the excuse that he had no idea what his assistants were doing. That is unacceptable. Uh, it was unacceptable with this FBI case and Sean Miller and Rick Pitino and all that stuff. I mean, Rick Pitino is still denying knowing what happened with Brian Bowen three, four, five years later, and there's no proof. Rick Pitino, say what you want about him, still lost his job at Louisville over it. Um, so Scott Frost, I don't know that you could say you can deny. And then two, I find it really hard to believe that the strength and conditioning coach was running rogue workouts during COVID without the approval of the head coach. He could say it was without the approval of the head coach. I do not know, um, but I find it very hard to believe that that is at all a possibility. What I would also say, one more interesting twist before we get to Scott Frost here and his long-term future, both of those coaches are now out of the program. They were both let go this offseason, and in an interesting twist, neither of them is working in college football this year, which means that neither is uh, obligated to talk to the NCAA, and I'm not accusing anyone of anything. It is interesting, though. You do wonder if maybe somebody said to him, hey, get out of college football for a few years. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure your salary gets paid, but you can't be coaching here because I don't need you talking to the NCAA. So that's what's going on. I think it's going to be hard for Scott Frost to deny, oh, I had no idea. How could I possibly know? And what I would say is I, I think it calls into question just the future of Scott Frost and I think some bigger picture questions about Nebraska football in general. Because anybody who's about my age, if you can remember college football to 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, Nebraska was the dominant program of the 90s. Three national championships. Uh, they beat Florida in a title game. They have a couple other really big wins. And they were equivalent of basically what Clemson is in college football right now. Every single year, dominate their league, dominate on the national level, win national championships. Scott Frost, by the way, was the head coach of the last team to win a national championship. And the last really great year that Nebraska had, it's very interesting, it was 2001, 20 years ago this year, where they played Miami for a national championship and got destroyed. But I do think with, with Scott Frost now, like his future in question, I, I just think it's interesting to look back on the Scott Frost era and wonder again what his future is and what Nebraska's future is. Because when you go back to the Scott Frost hire, I think we all, and I include myself, I don't think I was doing this podcast at this point yet, but I think we all thought Scott Frost is the guy. Scott Frost is the guy to save Nebraska and bring them back to the relevance that they once had back in the 80s, 70s, 90s, early 2000s, and he just hasn't been that guy. 
But it's easy to forget now he was seen as that. Uh, he went 13-0 at Central Florida his final season. He beats Auburn in the Peach Bowl even after accepting the Nebraska job. And on top of that, um, it was seen as a major win for Nebraska and the Big Ten that they got Scott Frost. Don't forget, before Florida hired Dan Mullen, you know who they wanted? They wanted Chip Kelly and they wanted Scott Frost. Chip Kelly goes to UCLA, Scott Frost goes to Nebraska, and it was seen as a win for Nebraska, it was seen as a win for the Big Ten, and it was seen as a win for all of you know Midwest football that Nebraska got Scott Frost to choose to go there instead of going to Florida. But now, all these years later, one, it's looking like Dan Mullen was no doubt the better hire, but Scott Frost, I don't know if he's going to make it. Year one, four and eight. Year two, five and seven. Last year, three and five. I don't know that he was really on as big of a hot seat uh, as many people thought coming into this year, previous to these NCAA rules violations. He had signed a long-term extension. It's clear that Nebraska is going to give him every opportunity. But even if he survives this, is there any reason to believe that he's going to be the guy going forward? Because I look at his track record, and by the way, he's a guy that I really praised at this time last year. He was one of the few guys that publicly was coming out defending Big Ten football, saying, we want to play, we want the opportunity, let Nebraska play football. If you remember, there was even talk about Nebraska playing a independent-only schedule, playing an SEC schedule, because they want to play football. So I fought for Scott Frost. But we are now in year four, four and eight, five and seven, three and five, plus NCAA violations, and there's no real reason to think that they are going to be any better this year. Bring back Adrian Martinez, the quarterback that's been there forever, the guy that never really gets better. I know statistically he was a little bit better last year, but he just had entirely too many turnovers. And I just don't see them being better, and I don't see them taking the steps needed to one day catch Michigan, or not Michigan, excuse me, catch Ohio State, catch Penn State, catch Wisconsin, and even be a contender at the top of the Big Ten, let alone in, in the national championship conversation. And I do think the interesting conversation with Nebraska is, again, this guy was supposed to be the savior, and if Scott Frost can't get it done at Nebraska, I think there's reason to wonder, can anyone get it done? I've seen interviews with Tom Osborne, the legendary Nebraska coach, and he's basically come out and said, we kind of have a belief around here. If Scott can't turn this thing around, I don't know who can, but you look at the situation and it doesn't look like it's getting better. And so for those of us who grew up on Nebraska, for those of us who believe that Scott Frost was the answer, not only does he not look like the answer, but it's hard to envision a world where Nebraska gets back to the top of the sport. Now, I know what somebody would say is it only takes one coach, and I do agree with that. You know, Notre Dame, for years, it was said they can never get back to the top of the sport. Well, they've been to two of the last three playoffs because Brian Kelly's their head coach. Um, you know, you go across the board. I'm, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head here. Clemson. Before Dabo got there, Clemsoning was a thing in terms of Clemson was the program that always screwed up the worst at the worst possible time. They get Dabo Sweeney, now they're winning national championships. So it's not as though it can't happen at Nebraska, but you look at the conference they're in, you look at the fact that their recruiting base is essentially non-existent. They can no longer recruit uh, Texas anymore because they're no longer in the Big 12. That was where they had so much success recruiting in the early days. And it's just, a, a, it's just a long way up to try to compete with Ohio State in the Big Ten. And so that's all I'll say on Nebraska. We'll obviously be talking more about them next week since they're playing next week. But crazy, crazy, crazy story. And I just do not know what the future holds for this program. 
Quickly, I do want to transition to one more football topic, and it's a topic that we've really hit on all spring, and that is Tim Tebow. And obviously, look, you know, in the spring when he signed, I was not upset. I tried to explain why you shouldn't be furious either. When he uh, actually got a contract, I said the same thing. But now, in the last 48 hours, Tim Tebow was officially cut as a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars, essentially ending, very likely, his professional sports career. And so with Tim Tebow done, I do kind of want to put a bow on this topic. And I'll say this. I know that he is going to still be part of our lives. He is going to do TV. He will be on ESPN, SEC Network. He probably has even bigger media plans if he wants. I think he hosted like Regis and Kelly four or five years ago. But what I'll just say is I'm going to miss Tim Tebow as an athlete. And I am going to miss... Um, you know, frankly, and this is going to sound corny and cliche and whatever, I'm going to miss everything that he stood for and everything that he was about. In terms of the Jacksonville Jaguar situation, look, you know, I don't want to relitigate everything, but what I would say is from the beginning, I never had a problem with him getting an opportunity. It was really interesting. On Tuesday night, I was actually hosting Fox Sports Radio with TJ Hushmanzada, and TJ played in the NFL for 11 years, and he said, look, you know, guy, I, I, I'm not mad at Tim Tebow, and I don't want to speak for TJ Huchmanzada, but he basically said, like, I'm not mad at Tim Tebow. Uh, I played in the league for 11 years. Guys get opportunities all the time that probably don't deserve it, and you can argue whether Tim Tebow deserved it or not, um, but in my opinion, Aaron Torres' opinion, you can't be mad at Tim Tebow for trying to take advantage of that opportunity, but it happens all the time. You know, there are guys, Urban Meyer, new head coach, wants to establish the culture in the locker room. Coaches bring in culture guys all the time. I said it six months ago when the first report of Tim Tebow potentially signing with the Jaguars came out. There's a reason that every time Tom Thibodeau goes somewhere, he brings Derrick Rose with him. Now, Derrick Rose is a much better player, but the bottom line is Derrick Rose helps set the culture for what Tom Thibodeau wants his locker room to be like. Same with Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam, I just saw signed a 19, for his 19th year in the NBA with the Miami Heat. I don't think anybody believes that Udonis Haslam at close to 40 years old is one of the 450 best basketball players on the planet and therefore deserves a contract. But Pat Riley knows he's great for the culture of the locker room, great for the young players, and they keep him around. Coaches coming from college very often bring their own guys. You know, Pete Carroll was famous for bringing his USC guys. Mike Williams, one of his great receivers, was out of football. Pete Carroll gave him another opportunity the same way Tim Tebow did. Uh, the same way Urban Meyer gave Tim Tebow. Jimmy Johnson, when he came to the NFL, famously drafted a lot of his former Miami Hurricanes. So I had no problem with Tim Tebow getting this shot and taking advantage of this opportunity. If you really want to blame anybody, you should have blamed Urban Meyer. But I don't have a problem with Urban Meyer, again, trying to set the culture of the locker room. But like I said, this whole situation is done. And what I want to do is kind of just reflect on the career and legacy, if you will, of Tim Tebow. And I know that when we use the term legacy, very often we're more talking about, uh, you know, a great player, a Tom Brady, a LeBron James, an Aaron Rodgers, a Drew Brees. But I do think Tim Tebow has one of the more interesting legacies. And I did think it was interesting that when he was cut, uh, a lot of people were still trying to call him a bust, call him this, call him that. Uh, and I just don't see it. I think you can argue he is, by, by any tangible measurement, uh, you know, more accomplished than 99% of professional athletes. First of all, by the way, quick side tangent, I love how on social media for the last month all we've talked about is mental health of athletes, mental health of athletes, mental health of athletes. And then those same people were laughing and LOLing that Tim Tebow got cut. It's like, sorry, dude, you can't be talking about how we need to be more sensitive to professional athletes and then be making jokes about Tim Tebow getting cut. That is a side tangent. Let's get back to Tim Tebow because, again, 
I think it's easy to sit there and look at his legacy and be like, oh, well, look at that guy. He was a bust. Like, he was so good in college, never made it in the NFL. Well, first of all, he wasn't a bust because he did, in fact, make it to the NFL. Uh, uh, college football icon, first-round NFL draft pick, and even though he was a Heisman Trophy winner, think about all the other Heisman Trophy winners that never accomplished a tenth of what Tim Tebow did. You think Johnny Manziel wouldn't like to have the career of Tim Tebow? Hate to be a jerk. It's the truth. Matt Leinart, who I've worked with at Fox, have great respect for Matt. He didn't have a better career than Tim Tebow. So there, Eric Crouch, we were just talking about with Nebraska 10 minutes ago, did not have the career of Tim Tebow. So you look at Tim Tebow, college football icon, earns the starting job in Denver. If you remember... Denver not only won the division with Tim Tebow, Tebow Mania, that was where Tebow Mania really took off at the NFL level. They also won a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you can argue it was the defense. You can argue it was the run game. You can argue it was everybody but Tebow. But he was still under center when the Broncos won the AFC West, made the playoffs, and beat the Steelers in the divisional round. It's also worth noting that while it's easy to forget now, never forget, John Elway, who was in charge of football operations for the Denver Broncos at the time, said publicly that Tim Tebow was the starter going into the next season. Then you know what happened? Peyton Manning became a free agent, decided Denver was the right fit for him, and he goes to Denver, and I don't blame John Elway. There's no way you're going to pass up on an all-time great to keep Tim Tebow, but if Peyton Manning isn't available or if he chooses literally anyone other than the Broncos, Tim Tebow remains their starting quarterback. He still stays around the NFL for a year or two after, never gets another shot, which I find incredible. Uh, everyone talks about privilege with Tim Tebow. Name me a quarterback that makes the playoffs and the next year not only is out but never starts a game the rest of his career. I don't know if that quarterback exists. There have been quarterbacks that have lost their job the following season, in the middle of the season, two, three, four years down the road like Colin Kaepernick, but I don't know of anybody that made the playoffs, won a division, won a playoff game, and never started a game again unless, of course, they retired. So, you know, Tim Tebow, of course, uh, I think had a more accomplished NFL career than most people remember. By the way, he wasn't as bad in baseball as a lot of people remember either. Final full season, hits 273 at AA, gets to AAA. It's clear that that's where his ceiling is. But again, he, he did more in football than almost most quarterbacks will ever do. Uh, and he did more in baseball than a lot of guys that get drafted will ever do. And so, listen, what we have to understand is not everyone is going to be Tom Brady. Not everyone has the physical gifts of Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. Some guys are limited, but the one thing you can't say about Tim Tebow is that he did not make the most of every opportunity that he was given and every bit of his God-given ability, and yes, tongue-in-cheek when I say that because of Tim Tebow's religious beliefs, but you can't say that Tim Tebow left anything on the field or that he didn't you know, he, he, there's unfulfilled expectation or unfulfilled talent there. As a matter of fact, I thought when he officially uh, was cut, I thought his statement on Twitter was pretty cool. This is exactly what he said. This is from Tim Tebow's Twitter account. Thank you to the Jaguars organization and everyone who has supported me in this journey. And as we know, God works all... Th oh, excuse me. Thankful for the nights, the highs and even lows opportunities and the setbacks I've never wanted to make decisions out of fear of failure and I'm grateful for the chance to have pursued the dream and then he goes on to say thank you to the Jacksonville Jaguars organization but I want you to go back and listen to that I've never wanted to make decisions out of fear of failure and I'm grateful for the chance to have pursued a dream we have a lot of parents that listen to this show isn't that exactly what you tell your kids? Isn't that exactly what you want from your children as they pursue their goals and their dreams, whether they're academic, whether they're in music, whether they're in sports, whether they're in drama? Isn't that what you say? Give it your all. 
Don't worry about what people think. Don't, don't not do something out of fear of failure. That's Tim Tebow. And so I've never understood the hate. I've never understood the anger. And I love what he represented as an NFL player. I wish him luck. He doesn't need my luck for the record in his future endeavors. He is going to be successful in media if he becomes, uh, you know, if he goes down the religious route, whatever it is. But I love Tim Tebow. I love what he stands for. Even though it did not end the way any of us hoped, I thought Tuesday and Tim Tebow's response was really, really cool. That's what I want to do. Take a quick break. We just talked a ton of football. I do want to hit very quickly on a busy week at Memphis where Penny Hardaway has hired Rasheed Wallace. Amani Bates comes to visit the campus. Uh, And then we'll get to Bob Stoops. I'm going to take a quick break, hit Penny Hardaway, and we will come back after Penny Hardaway. We'll get to Bob Stoops. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. And yeah, this is kind of a college football heavy show, a football heavy show. Not surprisingly, we are now again, what, nine days away from the start of college football season, a little bit more, 15, 16 days away from week one of college football, what, 21, 22 days away from the NFL. It is coming fast and furious. Bob Stoops will join me here in just a couple moments. But before we get to Bob Stoops, very quickly, I, I told you all offseason, I said, look, once the Marcus Carr, Kofi Coburn stuff died down, even Jalen Duran, I said, look, if there are relevant college basketball stories, I will discuss them. But this is going to be a time of year where we mostly focus on college football, NFL, whatever. Well, with that said, we got ourselves a college basketball story because while everybody else in college basketball is basically relaxing, going to summer league, catching up with their old players, done recruiting, done with everything, students coming back on campus soon. That's going on everywhere except for one place, and that is Memphis, because Memphis made headlines on Wednesday on their coaching staff, and they are very much still in pursuit of Amani Bates, the number one, number two, number three, whatever you want to call him, recruit in the country, to play college basketball this season, as in show up in the next couple days and roll in Memphis and play college basketball this year. The big news, obviously why I'm discussing it is a couple reasons. First of all, Something that I told you a a couple weeks ago would happen has officially happened as Rasheed Wallace. Yes, that Rasheed Wallace, uh, Big Sheed, Detroit Pistons, Portland Trailblazers, Boston Celtics. Rasheed Wallace has officially been hired as an assistant coach at Memphis. And if you listen to this show, I kind of hinted at that prior to the Jalen Duran commitment. That is when those rumors had first started at the time, as I explained. Uh, all, all the puzzle pieces started to fit together, right? Memphis is trying to get a commitment from Jalen Duran, a kid who's six foot nine, six foot ten, trying to be a new age big man to get ready for the NBA. He's from Philadelphia. Well, what better way to become a new age NBA big man than to learn from a guy who was a new age NBA big man before we even knew what a new age big man was in Rasheed Wallace, who by the end of his career was kind of a versatile piece that you could play down low, but it could also stretch the floor from three. And so I said it made too much sense. Um, it, it just it made too much sense in the lead up to the Jalen Duran commitment that this guy was seriously considering a coaching opportunity with Memphis and that Penny Hardaway was very much pursuing him. Well, on Wednesday, it becomes official. And I'll say this for Memphis. Listen, you guys know I, 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 I look at both sides to the equation on both on, on pretty much on every topic. And what I could say about this decision is this. 
yes, if you're not a Memphis fan, you can criticize Penny Hardaway. You can say that the results have not backed up the the bravado. The fact that, uh, you know, this was a guy that said all along, I want all the smoke. You can say the results have not backed up the bravado, the I want all the smoke, all that kind of stuff. At the same time, what also can't be denied is he is making major moves. This is the latest, and this is the latest in what I've told you all along. He is selling recruits that he is basically the junior NBA, and there is no better place to prepare for the NBA than at Memphis. Now, I understand a Kentucky fan could argue, an Arkansas fan with Eric Musselman and the staff that he's put together can argue, uh, a Duke fan can argue, a North Carolina, like, like UCLA, whatever. There's a lot of places that can argue. I'm just telling you that this is what Memphis and Penny Hardaway are pitching recruits. And I got to say, despite the on-the-court lack of success, the staff he's put together is pretty money. It's pretty baller, okay? First off, you have Penny Hardaway, four-time NBA All-Star, really one of, if you're too young to remember Penny Hardaway, there was one point where he was about one of the four, five, six best players in the NBA. I mean, just a dynamic, dynamic player. You also bring in Larry freaking Brown, who, yes, is 81 years old, but at the same time, keep in mind that Larry Brown is also one of the most respected basketball minds in the history of the sport, as I've told you before. He's coached Rasheed Wallace. He's coached Rip Hamilton. He's coached Olympic teams. He's coached the Knicks. He's coached the Clippers. He's coached pretty much everywhere. He's won national championships at the college level. And everybody in basketball respects the heck out of the guy. I don't think there is anybody that would not have added him to the staff. Again, I told you when he got hired. I know for a fact one major, major, major marquee Blue Blood program wanted to hire him. Uh, There was a, a coaching change and whatever. It didn't end up happening. But Penny pulling Larry Brown out of thin air is not something that other schools didn't want to do. Penny was just the one that pulled it off. So you have Larry Brown, and now you have Rasheed Wallace to work with the big men, to be that new age big, and to prepare them for the NBA. And so as I've said all along, I don't know that Memphis is necessarily the best place to go, but that is what they are selling, and the pitch seems to be working. What is interesting about the Rasheed Wallace hire beyond just that it's Rasheed freaking Wallace, it didn't seem ironic that the announcement officially came on Wednesday. Why is that? Well, It's because Amani Bates was on campus taking a recruiting visit. You all know who Amani Bates is. Again, one of the top two, three, four high school players in the country. At one time, lauded as the next LeBron, the next KD. He probably will not be that. Uh, But Amani Bates, 17 years old, has decided to reclassify. He will not play high school basketball next year. And he is down to four options publicly. Uh, He has said that he is choosing between three colleges, Memphis, Oregon, Michigan State, and a professional route in the G League. As I told you when he announced he's going to reclassify, I don't even think Michigan State's recruiting him anymore. So you can knock them off the list. I don't believe they're really a factor. And I don't believe that the G League is really a factor. I believe that Amani Bates wants to play college basketball, and he wants to play college basketball this season. And so why was the Rasheed Wallace hire important? It's because it came on the day Amani Bates was officially visiting Memphis. And I think right now, Memphis has to be considered an overwhelming favorite. If I was handicapping it and it was down to Memphis and Oregon, I'd probably say 65-35 Memphis and Oregon. You know, if I'm factoring in all four schools and or all four choices, I should say, including the G League, I still think it's a majority over 50% that he ends up at Memphis. I, You know, I, I just look at the situation and it makes too much sense. Now, I should say... Oregon still believes they're in the mix. Oregon is getting an official visit from Amani Bates this weekend. Uh, but we should find out pretty quick what Amani Bates wants to do because Memphis starts school here in the next few weeks. 
And if he chooses Memphis, and I think they're the overwhelming favorite, they just become instantaneously the most fascinating program in all of college basketball. Uh, you, you, I don't know about all of college basketball, but one of the two or three, right? Because you now have a, a program that, w- yes, they made the, they won the NIT last year. But as I've said a million times, they were one of the 68 best teams by the end of last season. Two losses to Houston in the final week of the season. They could have won both games. They win one of those games. They're in the NCAA tournament. They bring back their top two scores, and now they are going to add at least one future lottery pick in Jalen Duran, and very likely a second one in Imani Bates. Will it happen? Is it 100%? I don't think it's officially official, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen here in the next few few weeks because Memphis starts school here uh, at the end of August. Now, Oregon, interestingly, is on the quarter system. They do not start school until the end of September. So in theory, if he does not commit in the next 10 days or so, it means that he's probably going to Oregon or the G League. But if he commits and if he goes to Memphis, I'll say this. It makes Memphis more interesting, and it makes college basketball more interesting. And you guys know how I feel about all this. I don't care where you go. If you play college basketball, it's great for this show. It's great for what I do. It's great for the sport. And I think Imani Bates will do that. Memphis will instantaneously become, again, one of the two, three, four more interesting stories, a team that you have to follow whether you like them, whether you don't. How good is Jalen Duran? How good is Imani Bates? And the fact that this all came together so quickly. I think it also unquestionably turns up the heat on Penny Hardaway. I talked about it the the day that Jalen Duran committed. There are no more excuses. Year one, you had Tubby Smith's players. Year two, James Wiseman quits the team. Uh, A couple games into that suspension, never comes back. DJ Jeffries gets hurt. Last year is a COVID year. You come on strong late. You could have made the NCAA tournament. You don't. Well, year four, there's no excuses. You had a whole summer of workouts. You have a talented roster. You got the staff you want. You got the players you want. You got two high-profile players. Now, do I still think that Memphis is a a national championship contender? I don't because I don't know that Imani Bates uh, is a player that can put Memphis on his back. I still think that he is a developing prospect. I think he could one day be a really good NBA player, but he's only 17 years old. He's super young. He needs to get in the weight room. He needs to get bigger, get more physical. But you look at the roster, it's pretty talented. Again, two of the top sco- the top two scorers are Backlanders, Nolly and DeAndre Williams. Jalen Duran, top two, three prospect comes in. Amani Bates, top two, three prospect potentially coming in. That's a really interesting team. And so we will see what happens. The pressure will be on Memphis. But I'll say this. It'd be great for college basketball. It would be super dynamic as this sport continues to battle all of these professional leagues that are trying to get players to come play professionally rather than play college basketball. If Amani Bates comes, it makes Memphis really interesting. And if he balls out, that is just another example of a guy choosing a professional or choosing college over a professional pathway and hopefully using that stage to really build his brand and, uh, you know, make himself a better player. But listen, I've talked long enough. I went from Scott Frost to Amani Bates. How many other podcasts are doing it? Not very many. But I think that's all for this segment and my part of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. As I said a minute ago, coming up, Bob Stoops. How about big game Bob Stoops? He joins me. Really fun interview. And I'll just say, I believe he has released a statement about Oklahoma's future in the Big 12 and in the SEC. I don't believe he's spoken publicly about it. So Bob Stoops will join me here momentarily. And I should mention, by the way, guys, if there is one thing that you want to do to help this podcast, as I've said, by the way, big big things coming. So pay attention. Big things coming. Big guests coming. All that good stuff. You, one thing you want to do help the podcast 
Make sure to let people know that you listen, you heard these guys on the podcast. So reach out to a Cole Kublik, say, loved you on the Aaron Torres podcast. Uh, so reach out to, um, you know, all of the people that I have had. Uh, you know, you can't reach out to Rick Barnes, but Bob Stoops is on Twitter. Don't know how active he is. Reach out, say, loved you on the Aaron Torres podcast. That makes it more likely for people to come. I should mention, by the way, the Bob Stoops interview is brought to you by the College Football Hall of Fame. Bob Stoops is a 2021 inductee. If you're going to be in Atlanta at any point, make sure to check out the College Football Hall of Fame. 94,000 feet, beautiful facility. Uh, they have a, 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 a locker room set up basically of just the 2021 inductees. So you have Bob Stoops' Rose Bowl trophy. You have a helmet from Carson Palmer who played at USC. You have a jersey from Ken Dor- uh not Ken Dorsey, excuse me, Glenn Dorsey. I don't know why I said Ken Dorsey, Glenn Dorsey. And uh, you also have Tony Romo who is going in this year, his jersey, his awards, things like that. Also, they do tailgates there every Saturday during the season, starting with Miami and Alabama in week one. So if you're going to be in Atlanta at any point, check out the College Football Hall of Fame. And, of course, Bob Stoops is a 2021 inductee. That is all for this segment of the Aaron Sports Podcast. Let's get to head coach Bob Stoops. Shout out to Torrin Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Now, time for Bob Stoops, 2021 Hall of Fame inductee, former Oklahoma coach, now part of the Fox Big Noon kickoff crew with Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, Brady Quinn, and Rob Stone. Here is Coach Bob Stoops. All right, joining me via Zoom, national championship winning coach, uh, new analyst on Fox College Football kickoff, and of course, a 2021 College Football Hall of Fame inductee, Coach Bob Stoops. Uh, coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Aaron. Good to be on with you. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I should mention, as I said, Coach is a 2021 inductee. This interview is brought to you on behalf of the Chick-fil-A College Football Hall of Fame, a 94,000-foot shrine to college football in downtown Atlanta, one of the nation's best sports facilities anywhere, including, by the way, a new locker room exhibit that includes all sorts of cool memorabilia from this year's inductees, including Coach Stoops' Rose Bowl trophy, David Pollock's Lombardi Award trophy, Tony Romo's game-worn jersey, and Walter Payton FCS Player of the Year Award, Carson Palmer's helmet, Glenn, Glenn Dorsey's game-worn jersey, on and on. Also worth mentioning, every Saturday during the season, tailgate Saturdays live at the hall, live games, events, giveaways. It all starts with Miami and Alabama a couple weeks from now. Make sure to visit when you're in Atlanta, and for more information, visit CFB Hall. Dot com. So, Coach, when you hear that, when you hear Hall of Fame inductee, you know, you're going in alongside Carson Palmer, Glenn Dorsey, C.J. Spiller, Tony Romo, who you now join in the media space. Uh, you know, I, I know you got you get you know, there's a lot of football left to be called and broadcast. But what is, what does it mean to you when you hear college football Hall of Fame inductee? Well, I, I you know, I enter it with, again, great humility. Uh, you know, no one does this alone. Football is the ultimate team sport. Your assistant coaches, the support of your administration, you know, the hard work of the players. And I, I've just been surrounded by great people, uh, a great family that, that loved the game as well and allowed me to do it. Uh, great assistant coaches, a, a great, I had the same president, David Boren and athletic director, Joe Castiglione, my entire 18 years as a head coach. 
and they were incredibly supportive, a great fan base. And then, you know, I, I, I go through the list of players. I'm often asked, who are some of my favorite players? Are you kidding me? I've got, I've got, I've got hundreds of them, you know, and fortunately, you know, just great, great national award-winning players, but, you know, and, and, and then guys that were just walk-ons that, that are, I'm still very close with. So in the end, I, I, I did this with the help of a whole bunch of people. How cool is it for you? You know, sometimes, obviously, listen, coaching is a transient, you know, profession, but you did get to stay at Oklahoma for, you know, 20-ish years, give or take a year or so. Uh, as the head coach, you know, you're obviously still involved in the community. You obviously had a say in who replaced you. I know you have sons that play for the team. How cool is it to not just have your own legacy at Oklahoma, but still be able to be part of, of the program now and, and see its continued evolution and growth? Yeah, that's important to me. It means so much to me when you've invested so much for so many years. You want to you want to you want to see it to continue to thrive, and it really is under again new leadership with our a new president Joe Harris, same athletic director Joe Castiglione, and a great head coach Lincoln Riley. He's doing an incredible job, and he's got so many great years in front of him. So I'm excited about that. It it was I had my opportunities to leave over those 18 years, and I just felt a, a loyalty and a commitment to the university having them having invested so much in me that I just felt this and, and we have a great place. Let's face it. We have a great product at OU and a great fan base, great support. So all of it, it just never made sense for me to, to, to leave and go somewhere else. And, and uh, so I was lucky. It, it just worked for as long as it did. And, and you look at the consistent success through these last 20, 21 years, it's pretty incredible. I don't think anyone else can say that they've had that consistent of success through the last 21 years. Yeah, you know, dumb question, but, you know, I've been around college sports, you know, pretty long at this point. And what you said, the, the leadership and the structure, the ability to, to work for one AD, one school president for, for basically your entire tenure. I don't want to undersell what you and your guys did on the field, but that's one thing that always stands out to me. You know, people say all the time, you know, we want to be the next Oklahoma, the next Alabama, the next Gonzaga in basketball, the next Villanova in basketball. But, you know, I know the folks up at Gonzaga, and it's the same deal, one AD, one school president during this entire run. How important do you feel like it was to your success, not only the, the coaching, recruiting that you guys did on the field, but the structure that Oklahoma gave you off the field? Well, I, I think uh, it definitely, the leadership, it starts there. Um, and, and we had great leadership, but you're not getting it done just with that. Uh, the bottom line, the work of the players, the right direction from the head coach and, and assistant coaches, the development through the year, all of that, it all has to go together. And, and fortunately for us, it did. You know, we, we had, like I said, I've had incredible assistant coaches and great strength coach and Jerry Schmidt that had in my entire career, um, a guy that's been a part of three or four different national championship teams. So all of it together just blended really well for us at OU. And uh, we, we're still riding that, that positive uh, energy. And when you look at the, again, the consistency in the program through these 21 years is, is pretty remarkable.
I want to get back to the program, to some of your teams, but, you know, you're going to be part of a new team this fall. Uh, you know, people, a lot of people probably who know me know I host Fox Sports Radio, but on the TV side, um, you're joining Rob Stone, Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, Brady Quinn on Big Noon Kickoff. Uh, one, how much have you had a chance to get to know those guys? And then two, just how fired up are you to, to get out to L.A. to work with those guys? I know you guys will be on site at all sorts of games. How fun and how excited are you for that chapter of your career? Very excited. It, it is, just as you said, a great team of guys to work with, all of those guys. And I have had a chance to get to know them and be around them and, and just super people, fun to be around and very in, you know intelligent in their conversations in regard to our game and uh, in a great organization there at Fox Sports. Uh, you know, just great leadership, a great team of people. I just recently was at a seminar with all of them for a couple of days and uh, just a family type atmosphere that's been incredibly successful. And, and I think it's just going to continue to be more and more successful as we go. So I'm really looking forward to it. we got a bunch of fun games to go to. We start off with Ohio State at Minnesota okay. on, Thursday, on Thursday before the first Saturday. And then, and then we travel right over, uh, right down the street to Madison, Wisconsin. You got Wisconsin, Penn State. And then, then to Ohio State for Oregon at Ohio State. And then we go to OU for OU Ooh. Nebraska. And then, then we're on to, here's a great one, Chicago Soldier Field, Wisconsin and Notre Dame. So uh, there's some great venues there to go to. I'm a kind of a stadium junkie. I love big games. I love being in stadiums, having, you know, just competed in so many of them. I, I really look forward to being at those great venues. And that's where, you know, the first five weeks we plan on being out on the road, you know, enjoying the, the stadium atmospheres. Well, I was going to say, first of all, if you need a personal assistant, uh, you know, feel free to uh, hit me up. You got all my information now. Uh, I was going to say, how exciting is it for you? I mean, obviously, you've probably coached in some of these venues, um, but you're focused on your game plan prep. Uh, you're probably going straight from the hotel to the to the locker room back and forth. I don't know how many of you, and, and you obviously played in the Big Ten as well, but how excited are you to, to, to walk the sidelines, to walk the stands, to be out in the tailgate scene at, uh, at the shoe, at, uh, you know, uh, uh, Camp Randall, all these really, really, really cool venues? Yeah, I, I have, uh, having played at Iowa, I've, I've played in, a, in most all these venues. I've coached in a lot of others, so... But still, as you said, you're, you're in a different mode when you're going in to play a game. You're kind of just looking at that that 120 yards, you know, and, and that's all you're concerned with. So, um, you know, so it'll be different to, to be able to experience the, the, the fan, uh, the fandom and all the, the energy that's out there for these games. So that'll be different for me. But um, I am, again, just really looking forward to it. Uh, so I know you're now uh, an unbiased member of the media, but... Uh, you know, the Sooners down in Norman, uh, AP poll comes out, they're ranked number two. Um, again, I, I know we talked about, you know, your successor, Lincoln Riley, the success that he has had. What can you tell us about these 2021 Sooners? Because obviously they win the Cotton Bowl, bring back a ton of guys. Coach Grinch on defense is there for a third year. The defense seems to be evolving. Um, how excited are you to, to, to see these guys, you know, in person? You'll have a chance to see them, obviously, against Nebraska. But, you know, it's, it's a program that you'll be forever tied to. And, and you know, they, they look really strong coming into this year. 
I think it is going to be. We're always strong. I think we're going to be even better. We're going to be. We're going to be stronger this year overall. I think the emergence and the, now the more experience that Spencer Rattler has has been able to achieve here in the last year, having spring ball, having you know a regular summer camp, just another year under his belt. I believe he's just scratching the surface. It's going to have a huge year. When you look at the success Lincoln has had with all his quarterbacks and Spencer has the same kind of talent. So I, I see that it being really, and then to go with it, we've got a lot of our line back or we got probably the best old line coach in America, Bill Biedenboe. And then, you know, for, for the run game, you've got Kennedy Brooks back a thousand yard rusher uh, that sat out a year ago to go with Eric Gray, another a transfer from Tennessee. That's really strong. So I, I think offensively, we won't miss a beat. If anything, we'll be stronger. And defensively, I don't think there's any question with eight or nine starters back and the consistency in the coaching staff there with Coach Grinch. I, I don't think there's any question. And it used to be you questioned our D-line. Now it's like a strength uh, throughout throughout the country. And, and to go with, you know, just a, a bunch of other really solid good players and Coach Grinch does a great job moving those guys around, causing, you know, causing problems for the offense. So I, I think that's going to lead to us, you know, uh, having a big year. It kind of plays back to the, the last question I asked you about traveling, but I know, you know, the first year or so you were out of football, you, you were very vocal about, um, you know, it was a little bit of an adjustment for you, you know, driving to the stadium, traffic, all that stuff. But how how do, do you enjoy as a fan, you know, sitting back on Saturdays? Obviously, you're going to be in many of these venues this year. But do you enjoy sitting back watching how offenses evolve, how defenses change, um, just the growth of the game? I'm, I'm just curious because I know, like I said, when you first retired, you were vocal about it was a little difficult for you. But I'm curious now, three, four years removed, if you enjoy just seeing the different styles, different matchups, different regions of the country, things like that. Well, it's still difficult, you know, nothing, nothing fills that void of having to go out and perform or be in that intense competition for three and a half, four hours. You just can't, you just can't replicate that. Uh, but, but I, I've always been a, uh, a football junkie. I've, I'm constantly watching college to college game, the, the NFL game, what, what's new, who's, you know, I, I'm always, you know, watching everything I can. And fortunately I get everything, all the, you know, I get all the packages you're allowed to get. And if I know I got two at the same time, I'm going to record one so I could watch one, you know, one at one at a time. So I'm my, my recorder's full, believe me. So I, I love watching all the games. Is there a non OU player coach program? It could be the NFL that is like must watch for Bob Stoops that you love watching. That's non OU related. <laughs> Ah, oh, geez, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I'd say you have to go with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, sure. gosh, is he fun to watch? Just I saw him firsthand how talented. <laughs> so uh, when <laughs> so uh, I was always a believer that guy's special. And um, but anyway, I guess that's a, that's a quick one. That's not on you, but I got to admit, on those Sundays, I'm I'm watching all my guys. I, I'm trying to pull up everyone I can, and the other would be. He didn't go to OU, but he has OU roots. He grew up in Norman. His father coached with me. It's George Kittle. Sure. He's uh, is a family friend, very close, and a, and a special, special player. Gosh, he's – so I, we're always – my family, we're always following George. And 
he's fun to watch, as you know, on, on social media as well. Sure. I'm guessing it's nicer to uh, watch others game plan against Patrick Mahomes as opposed to game planning yourself. Oh, geez. Yeah. He's, <laughs> you know, the, the hard part is when it breaks down, he's so dangerous. Well, when it, not only when it breaks down, but on the run, he's doing the sidearm, the, the backflip. I mean, you know, he he's doing throw it any which way. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Anyone else in your prep for the season, just teams that you're intrigued to watch? I mean, obviously, Oklahoma's in that national championship conversation. The, the usual suspects are there at the top, Ohio State, Alabama. Um, anybody else that you're just intrigued by coming into the season now that you're going to be, you know, on TV with the Fox crew kind of talking about all these games? A few of them for sure stand out to me. Georgia with the number of starters returning. Uh, they found the quarterback last year. He was 4-0 in their last four games with him, C.J. Stroud. I think that's going to be big. They're going to be tough. Maybe, you know, and then uh, to go with them, I think the other two, A&M has a lot of people back, a great run game and a great line. They got to replace their quarterback, so that's a question. And the other one majorly is in our league here in the Big 12, Iowa State. They've got a ton of guys back. The Offensive Player of the Year, in Brees Hall, uh, for in uh, you know in the Big Twelve back, Brock Purdy quarterback back, great tight end Charlie Kolar uh, back, all conference guy in defense Mike Rose. They got the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year back, so they they've got a lot of people back on an already really good team, and and you know uh, Coach Campbell's had the the consistency in his staff. I think also is is uh, you know is is really strong and makes a difference in why they'll be so good again. Well, I was going to say too, and this is no disrespect to anyone who came before him, but how much do you enjoy watching the growth and evolution of that program at Iowa State? Because again, it's no disrespect to a previous coach, a staff, or this or that, but it's obviously, you know, it, it has challenges that are unique in the Big 12, doesn't have that natural recruiting base of an Oklahoma, Texas, uh, you know, TCU, whatever. Um, and I think it's one of the cooler stories in college football that, as you said, I think people got to see it up close last year and they're going to get to continue to see it this year. Yeah, I follow it closer than probably most people because I played at Iowa. Right. And, uh, and then was a young coach for Hayden Fry for another five years. So I, I was playing on the team or assistant coach there at Iowa for 10 years. So that's a natural rivalry, you know, with Iowa State right down the road. So I've always paid attention to them, and uh, but they're doing a great job, as is Iowa. Let's expect Kirk Ferentz yeah. and his staff have done a great job also and really finished strong last year. So, um, and I believe beat Iowa State last year. So, uh, so anyway, it's, um, you know, they're, they're, they're both great programs that are really doing well and fun to watch for me being, you know, spend, spending 10 years there in Iowa. Had to get that jab in on the Cyhawk Trophy in 2019, didn't you, Coach? It's okay. I, I get it. I know how rivalries work. Well, I wasn't so. sure, but I, I think they did. I, I, I don't know if they played last year just because of COVID, but I Oh, you know in, what? That's probably right. Yeah. In 19. Yeah. No, it's yeah. – uh no, and, and you know, Coach Ferenc, you know, you said you being an Iowa guy, you follow both – you know, I went to UConn. Coach Ferenc is a prominent former uh, UConn Husky, so – uh, so I've always followed his career closely, dating back to when I went to school there. So, uh, so I'm very familiar with his program, and they they actually might have been maybe the second best team in the Big Ten by the end of last year with the way they were playing. Uh, a couple quick questions, we'll get you out of here. Uh, first one, you know, what what's your take on just 
the evolution of college football off the field is, is just, it's been a, an off season of, of absurd, not absurdity in a bad way, but the name image likeness stuff comes uh, the, the transfer stuff comes. And I think we all understand how name image likeness works. You know, I, I don't want to speak for anybody, but you know, I think we understand, you know, players re- generate a lot of revenue for schools, social media has changed kind of the dynamics, but as a coach, are you kind of excited that you're not in it? Uh, or, or, you know, uh, what, what are your, your, your former colleagues saying? It's just a whole new world. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just certainly different. And just curious, uh, as somebody that's now outside of it, how you get to look in and kind of see the name, image, likeness, and the transfer stuff. Well, it's just like a lot of things uh, in life. Very, very little stays the same forever. Everything's always evolving. You could throw conference realignment in there as well. Very little stays the same forever. So what we're doing is evolving, morphing, and we're, fi- we're gonna figure it out on the run. We'll see, you know, there's been some parts of the transfer portal that have been really positive. OU's been a great beneficiary of that, but some of it's been really sad. There's a lot of guys that enter transfer portal, give up their scholarship and don't get another one. Uh, but no one talks about that. Sure. There's, and that it's, it's, sadly, it's a pretty fair percentage. So anyway, um, you know, we're going to be evolving here in these next few years uh, in, in all these ways. And listen, there's no stopping it. Everyone acts always this good. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad for it. We're going to evolve with it. And it, I believe college football will always be great. It's a great product. People love watching it and covering it. And uh, we'll see how this all changes. But but you can't put the ketchup back in the bottle. Right. So it's here it goes. So let's hold on and see. Let's hope, hope, hopefully we could keep it to a point where it's as entertaining as it always has been. Well, it'll always be, it'll always be entertaining. Um, yeah, I was going to actually ask you a little bit quickly about the Texas, Oklahoma stuff. I mean, I saw you released a statement and I think, you know, it was in line with exactly what you just said. The sport evolves, life evolves, the world evolves. Um, you got to you know, keep moving. And you got to look out for what's best for your constituents. And, and that's what everyone does. And, uh, and in the end, when you're doing these type of things and in realignments and whatnot, you don't always get to have all the say-so. And uh, maybe 10 years ago, we might've had more say-so, but now with the number of teams in, in the SEC now, we're, we're not, you know, Oklahoma State, where that wasn't part of the deal with us. And uh, though we wished it would have been, uh, that wasn't an option. So what are we to then to, to not do what we feel is best for us? It just doesn't work that way. And uh, so anyway, uh, we'll see how it goes and uh, we'll see what the future brings for everybody. Very good. The future is bright for, for you, for the Sooners, for college football going into the season. We covered a lot of ground. I mean, is there anything that we missed, anything that you're fired up about? I mean, we talked about the venues. We talked about some individual teams. But uh, anything else that we haven't hit on, because it's coming soon. We got week zero here in a few weeks with Nebraska, Illinois. And then from there, like, like I said, you, you, well, like you said, schedule gets a lot busy starting with uh, Ohio State at Minnesota there on that Thursday. What else did we miss that you're fired up for? Uh, no, I think you covered it all. And, uh, and anyway, so I, no, I'm just fired up to be part of the Fox team and to be covering college football like we're going to be. And uh and hopefully look forward to watching the Sooners have a big year. He is. I, I still make that mistake. I'm supposed to be a Fox broadcaster, and I'm still saying we and us about well, OU. <laughs> so that's I'm why I said 
And listen, you're, you're like I said, you're supposed to be unbiased, but I think we all understand when you spend 25 years in a place, uh, it's hard to get it out of your blood. And oh, by the way, uh, you're going to be on the sideline for a lot of those big games this year. So uh, former Oklahoma coach, college football Hall of Famer, uh, the, the ceremony is later this year. But as I said, uh, if you're in Atlanta for Miami, Alabama or anything else, stop by the College Football Hall of Fame, tailgate Saturdays, new exhibit with the 2021 inductees, Coach Bob Stoops. And, and I would say the Hall of Fame people are incredible. Yes. First class organization in absolutely every way. And when you travel through the Hall of Fame, it's really special. It's it is fun to see. 94,000 feet is no joke. 94,000 square feet, I should say, is no joke. So uh, if you're in Atlanta, and if you're not, cfbhall.com. Coach Stoops, genuinely appreciate the time. Thank you. All right, Aaron, good to be with you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.